Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week, we're joined by a professional chef and fellow free thinker, the young animal himself, Adisa Glasgow. In part two of this conversation, we focus on Adisa's personal development project, as well as his unique perspectives on injustices and navigating a white person's world. Enjoy the show. I'm a big believer in, in personal development and, and growth and so forth. We've touched on a little bit of, you know, humbling in the, in the restaurant industry, but what have you done anything other than just do things in order to better yourself? Like, is there anything specific that you've done to focus? Because I think that this is something that people are missing, especially in this time of COVID, uh, when, you know, people are kind of locked down and, and bored and doing different things. It's like, well, why don't you get to take that opportunity to work on yourself? Is there things that you did specifically or, or has this just been a, uh, an organic growth for you? It was a little bit of both. But earlier in this year, a couple of things happened during that period that pulled everything into tighter perspective for me. I guess I'll call it what it is. It was the lynching of Ahmad Arbery, hmm. right? That did something to me. Like, you know, Chris, it's really hard for me to say that every other Black person I saw getting shot and killed didn't bother me, but this one did. Like, I don't, that is a horrible thing to say because I don't, you can ask my girl, I don't even kill mosquitoes, which is a problem. But, you know, me, Whatever happened to, to Ahmad messed with me so much that I started looking in, inwards, you know, about my mortality. So I did a couple of things. I decided that I was going to rage, right? I was going to rage on Instagram. And I started this Instagram page and I started filming these, these videos about my, talking to people about, you know, stuff that happened in my life and everything like that. And then shortly after I started doing that, something hit me and I was like, I don't need to speak for everybody, right? And probably the most important thing that came across my brain is that I'm not American, right? I'm definitely a Trinidadian naturalized as a Canadian, right? So I have to think about my general surround. This is, this is going to bother some people. They think. Um, and I can't be getting out there. And this is outside of Ahmaud Arbery. I'm talking about, um, and this is, this is outside of Ahmaud. George and um, Brianna, right? Mm -hmm. this, is, this is how I view the American people, right? Um, black and white, right? Um, I started realizing that I'm fighting a proxy war over here in Canada with some people in the United States who actually don't even know where the fuck Toronto is, right? So it, it, it started to bother me that I'm like, I'm getting so bogged down and pissed off about the state of this country and, and the state of, um, of, of America and the African-Americans down there. Um, so I kind of veered away from doing those, those videos because, and Chris, this is, this is why I came to the conclusion why I wanted to stop doing the videos speaking about America is because I remember back when that unfortunate incident happened when the Twin Towers were, were attacked. I saw Americans, Black, White, Chinese, Hispanic, all the, uh, the, the creating colors of the United States come together to hate another culture, right? I saw them all do it. I saw everybody 
you know, discriminating against um, uh, Middle Eastern people, um, not even necessarily knowing their background, black and white, mm -hmm. everybody in the United States were doing this because they had a common enemy, mm -hmm. right? They put aside their own problems because they had a common enemy. So they, what America knows how to do very well is hate, right? And if there's somebody else they hate, they'll hate on them. So now you fast forward to the day and I see black Americans in a, in a particular situation. And, I, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, when is it okay to hate? I guess when it's not directed in your way, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So something I said to my friend actually came to fruition recently. Unfortunately, it came to fruition. I was saying, I'm like, do you notice how the whole world got up and was protesting police brutality in the United States? We had marches in New Zealand. We had marches in like Zambia. We had marches in like England. Germany was marching against the injustice that happened to George Floyd. And then I said to my friend, does America care about anybody else? So then fast forward to like a week ago, there is civil unrest right now in Nigeria, police brutality. I'm waiting for the march in the United States for the police brutality happening in Nigeria. So I just started to think of like America as a, as a whole, man, fuck those guys. You know, I can't be here for you guys. I can't be over here, you know, freaking out about the state of this world when you guys don't actually care about the rest of the world. You only care about yourself, black and white, because you keep walking around saying you're American, right? We're like, we're all Americans. Why are they treating us like this? And I'm like, and I don't know why they don't understand that they were never Americans. They're just leftover slaves. They are the sons, daughters of slaves. America never let them in. But they fail to understand that because the greed, they drank the Kool-Aid, the greed, and this, this, um, this dream of making it big, they feel only exists in America. So they'll maintain this whole America's great shit, black and white. Mm. Not remembering that there's genocides occurring in this world daily, but America doesn't care about that. Mm -hmm. So I started to just drift away from worrying about this. And then I started thinking about my own problem and then starting to look more into my life and how I can better myself. So then I, um, I called up a friend of mine um, because we used to talk after playing basketball. And he'd always joke, um, man, you should write a script. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, and then, well, you're quarantining. You got shit to do. So <laughs> I started writing a script. And, and I finished writing a script. Good for and you, man. It's about, it's, about my, uh, it's about my escape from Trinidad. I embellish some things, right? Like I fly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, I I, I wrote I wrote a, a little screenplay, um, and we decided that we wanted to make it a like a mini series. So you know, I managed to write the first episode of it, and right now, um, my my writing partner has it out there, shopping it around. And uh, obviously, things are backlogged now because filming can't happen. People, are, everything's kind of pushed back a little bit. So, you know, we just shopped it out there and it's just sitting out there. We're just gonna, we're just waiting on um, the responses, if, if any, because everybody thinks their life is so fucking exciting. Um, <laughs> you know, yes. so we're just, we're just waiting, we're just waiting on that. So yeah, I managed to write a little bit about myself and a little bit about the, uh, the immigration from the Caribbean to. Um, wow. That's uh, in terms of self-development and self-reflection. I can't think of a more creative and uh, and and more exposing way to do it, mm -hmm. right? Like that. I mean, how how 
how exposed did you feel while you were writing this script? And how long did it take for you to get going? Certain, <laughs> certain things I was like surprised with myself. I'm like, yo, I don't even know how to write, but I'm fucking clacking away at the keyboard here. <laughs> right? I, I was like really enjoying myself, right? I mean, what my friend did was structure it, right? I think he sent me some software in which to like write it like a screenplay. And then he then took that and like really structured it because he actually knows how to write a screenplay. So what was crazy about it was, see, the content is all up here, right? So there's no storyboard that I drew, right? Because I started from a particular age and I then went up to, um, basically the first episode that we wrote was leaving Trinidad and uh, coming to stay with my dad. Right? Like that's the first episode. But there's a little bit of like me hanging out with my mom in Trinidad. And writing it exposed a lot because it got me to like look back on memories that I'm pretty sure I tried to like suppress a little bit, you know, and even rereading some of the passages I wrote, I got a little like teary eyed about it, you know, like, you know, like Chris, it's so crazy to think about where we've been and where we, what we've become, you know, like you're talking to some fucking black guy from Trinidad who spent the first 12 years of his life climbing trees and eating mangoes and like, you know, like just running around with no shoes on and everything like that to, um, you know, driving a fucking Tiguan, like things. That's a like, wild journey in and of itself, man. You know, I, I, that's why I, that's why I'm always feeling blessed because I never imagined that I would be where I'm at in this life. Right. I don't know what I imagined for myself, but the comfortable life that I seem to be living right now, surrounded by with people who love me and stuff like that, and being able to have things and being able to travel, working hard for that to be able to travel and do all of that is mind blowing, bro. Because you got to keep in mind, I go back to Trinidad and some of my cousins have never been on a plane, bro. We're, we're talking, it's an island of 1.2 million people. And some of them have never left that island. Wow. 38 years old, 42 years old, has never, that's like never leaving Scarborough, bro. I, I can't even imagine staying there my whole life. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's got to be one of the most, that's got to be the most humbling experience that you can get. Yeah, it was crazy writing the screenplay and like looking back on like who's still down there, where I've gotten to, it really made me think and appreciate all the great things that I have in my life. Dude, like when anybody asks me, hey, Disa, how you doing? I'm like, Living the dream, right? You know, it could be like snowing sideways. I'm like, yo, some of my fam's never seen snow. Yeah. So who am I to be complaining about some snow, right? It goes away eventually. Yep. You know, nothing ever lasts for that long. So I embrace everything. I'm like, I, writing this screenplay reminded me of how hard it was for my mom. I don't want to beat this horse, but to be a single mom you know, writing some of these things, like I even have a, you know, I have this little thing where I wrote where, you know, she's, she's sending me off to school and I'm, and I'm off to school and then you know, picks up my toys off the ground. And like, you know, there's bills scattered all over the table and she just kind of cries into her hands. Um, obviously that's not something I saw because I was skipping the school, you know, with no, with no care in the world. But I mean, based on where we lived, the homes that we lived in, the situations that we lived in. Dude, my mother and I lived in a house, a shack. I would say probably maybe 
I want to say, let's say doubles the size of this room. So right? like 10 by right. 10. Yeah. Right. And the bed was in there and the stove was over there and the sink was over there. And we slept in the same bed, obviously, because it's, it's all the room we had. We were stealing electricity from the house in front of us because it was one of those illegal shacks that was like behind the main house oh, kind wow. of deal. So, so our mail would obviously go to the, the, the main house. Right. And then we'd have to go, you know, ask the landlord or whatever. So we had our shack on stilts because it rained a lot in Trinidad. So you don't want to get flooded. So we were in the back outhouses off to the side. We lived there so long that they moved the outhouse once uh, because, you know, it gets full. So <laughs> you shift it over, dig a new hole, throw a barrel in there. Like, you know, thinking about growing up in a house like that and writing about it. I don't know. Like it, it really opened up a lot. I mean, it really made me appreciate more in this world. You know, like we're talking about situations, Chris, where um, I was so hungry. I mean, I remember this as vividly as possible. We're talking about eight years old. I was so hungry. And my mom, all she had was ingredients for bread, right? So she's baking some bread. And these stoves are like propane stoves. You got the tanks and stuff like that. And the tank was low. So, you know, you're like, is he going to bake the bread in time kind of thing? And my stomach was in knots so much that I was crying. And my mom actually took the bread out of the oven early. And I had to eat like crust with like raw dough on the inside of it because I just had to get something. I mean, sort of kind of eating around the, the stuff that got baked and there's right. the raw dough in the middle and stuff like that. So, you know, thinking up those memories and having to write this thing, it just brought me back to a, a simpler time. It just brought wow. me back to like, you know, what am I, what am I freaking out about, right? You know, like what, what, what's the big deal? If I made it out of that, shit. I mean, I can make it out of, I think, just about anything, right? So this script has really, really helped me to like, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, if the script goes nowhere, it would be great for me to just document some of those memories, right? You know, just, just write some of them down, praise my mom, give her a little bit more love. I don't, I don't think I gave her enough love. Hmm. Um, when I left, because I, I I always blamed her for shipping me off, kind of deal. You know, a lot of people would think it'd be big, dude. You came to Canada. I'm like, yeah, I came to Canada without my fucking mom. Yeah, and you know how much that sucks, bro. Like, Speaking as a mama's way of true and blue, I that'd be fucking brutal, bro. <laughs> that would yeah, be it, was, it, it was like uh, just even the, the the line I wrote at the airport. You know, with the, you know, you got yeah. the like the the stewardess, like or the the flight attendant, like, okay, we have to go. And you know your your mom's feeling. She's like, you gotta go now. And you're just like, dude, oh, writing that was the most intense thing I've ever written. My fucking like, heart go is this breaking. Oh, you like let go to Stuart's hand and you run back and you embrace your mom one last uh, time. That's and of uh, course I wrote it. I wrote it like any kid was experiencing it. The second I saw a plane, I was like, what the fuck is that? Like <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, oh my god. So so many crazy emotions is running in. Wow. Through. At the, at the, I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, no, no. I heard the word quiche on uh, in my life. Quiche. quiche. It was on the flight. So like a quiche? Yeah. What the fuck is a quiche? An egg pie. I'll pass, please. Thank you. I don't want your fucking egg pie. When you told me that you were working on the script, and we discussed this before we came on, uh, as to whether you were willing to share that you were working on that, because I, I really wanted you to, but I wasn't going to try to sway you either way. And you said, fuck it, I'm an open book. So thanks for sharing a little bit of that. I'm, I'm so excited that you did it. Um, 
I'm so excited to see where it goes. But the thing that I'm hearing from this now is it sounds like you took years of therapy and you basically took COVID as an opportunity to write down psychiatry appointments into a script. So the thing that I'm thinking about now is in doing that, and as you say, as you're writing this script and you're getting more emotional because you're, you're thinking about these things, had you even thought about these things in a while? You, you had mentioned the word suppressed earlier. Did you feel that you actually suppressed some of these things? I did. Mm-hmm. I think I did. I, I didn't really think about my early, my early years. I didn't think about it that much because, you know, that was kind of like so far behind me, right? Like, like we're talking, dealing with my dad here. I mean, we've repaired our relationship, but dealing with him here coming to Canada, I don't think he was ready to have a kid mm. here in Canada and then going into a group home and then getting out and having to like fend for yourself and start a new life. I mean, like I was really focused on the future and trying to move forward and actually not look back on those, those humble beginnings. Right. Because, you know, sometimes you don't want people to know they used to shit in an outhouse. Okay? For sure. You know, like the idea that you never had running water just makes you seem so poor. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I like, I actually wear that as a badge of honor. When everybody was all pissed off or like trying to buy toilet paper the other day, I'm like, I'll just go grab a Now Magazine, baby. Put that under some water and I'm gravy. You know what? I didn't mean that to now. Maybe I'll, yeah, maybe I did. Um, maybe, maybe I'll do that to like, I don't know, like the Toronto Star or the Toronto Sun or some shit like that, right? I just go buy a stack and that'll be enough for me, right? I'm like, I wasn't worried because I've been poor. So yeah. it was like, I was already geared up for it. I'm like, throw, throw the pandemic at me. Because I lived through a, a coup, right? Oh, In Trinidad, right? When, when um, there was a, an extremist group uh, stormed the parliament building and threw everybody under curfew. Like an armed guard standing outside your house, right? Like, I lived through that. So, you know, they say, come on. They say, stay inside. We're going to send you a couple grand a month. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Really? I mean, Canada has to be one of the greatest places in the world, bro. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I'm telling you. I mean, stateside, Canadians are so fucked up. They're like, oh, I can't. I, this is bullshit. I used to be able to go outside. I'm like, really? Really? Nope. Really? Why don't you just move down to Buffalo? See how they're doing down there. <laughs> like, not even on, on a good day, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> not even oh on a good God. day. Like, oh we have it so good here. So, dude, I count my blessings every day. Man. I, I'm just happy to be. Um, living through history right now, yeah. um, an interesting part of history, I think. I think that's one of the fortunate things that all of us are kind of overlooking, is that we are living through history, like important history, time-changing shit, right? Like, when this is all said and done, the world's not going to be the same. No. The global community is going to be very different. Nor, nor should it be in a lot of ways. Um, I think that the way that we were doing things worked for a long time. One of the things that I wanted to touch on just quickly is is the uh, the survival mechanisms that we as a species kind of em- employ to to get by, and that's what it sounds like you did. I mean, I, I don't think looking back at the age of twenty or twenty five or even thirty really does you a whole hell of a lot of good because you can get you get drowned under that shit, right? Under that mm-hmm. stuff that you went through, that could be a motivator or it could send you spiraling in a different direction so the fact that you didn't look back doesn't doesn't mean anything all it means is that you wanted to create something more for you that's survival to me man that's that's what that's what survivors do 
the motive, the motivation for me, and I was saying this to another friend the other day, the motivation for me in this, in Canada is, like I said earlier, when I said some of my cousins haven't actually left Trinidad, the motivation for me here in Canada is if I was given the opportunity to leave, why would I fuck that up? Yeah. Right? Like, like you gave one of us, right? And I don't even know how fate rolls into all of this shit. Like, why did my dad work at Halliburton? Why did he get transferred to Canada? And then how was I allowed to come up to Canada on a landed immigrant thing? Like, all these sequences of, uh, of situations that happen are all fluky and lucky and all of those kind of things, right? So if I drew the long straw, why would I come up here and squander that opportunity, you know, by like, you know, becoming a drug addict or, or, you know, and that is not to say that some drug addicts are dealing with some issues, but, you know, and I didn't necessarily mean to like use that as an example. I just mean like fall apart, like, sure. you know, like just, um, you know, like why would I, so I actually carry a lot of that responsibility with me when I do things, when I am dragging uh, a generator through the mud, when I am like, mashing through all sorts of stuff and dealing with this i know that i'm doing it on behalf of a lot of people in my family who also want to see me succeed and when i go down there i can actually for what it's worth be like i'll buy dinner or you know like and, and that gives me a good feeling it's not like i'm flexing and you know some people would think that that's the way it is but it just makes me feel good that i can actually do something dope for my family when i go down to Trinidad, I can show them that I'm not squandering the opportunity that I was given. That's amazing. You know? And it sounds like you are right. And, and that's, that's the funny thing is we started this conversation with, you know, what motivates you to become a chef? Now I know that that's a cook, but what, mo what motivated you to do this? Like, well, it's survival. It's this, it's that. And, and now we're actually getting down to the true essence of what's motivating you to be you, because mm -hmm. you're not a cook. You're not a screenwriter. You're not a funny guy with a good personality you're fucking you're Adisa you're somebody who's given an opportunity and doesn't squander that opportunity that's what I'm hearing and the fact that you haven't squandered that opportunity it does have to give you pause for thought every once in a while as to not why can't everybody do it that's not that's not the message but if you can do it then anybody could do it if they wanted to and now when I think back right, about you saying anybody can be a chef anybody can cook. I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing if I could shit in a hole in the back of the back of a house, then you can cook if you wanted to. That's pretty fucking cool. It was pretty deep. I mean, I, not to, not to, not to single you out here and not to, not to break down the charade that is the, uh, the verbose and, and uh, friendly and talented Adisa Glasgow, but you're a pretty deep fucking dude, man. And you should give yourself uh, credit for that. That's pretty awesome. You know, my, uh, I have a very good friend. His name is Sam uh, Martin. And we have like some pretty intense conversations. He is a man of the cloth. He is, um, he is uh, a church guy. Okay. Uh, so we have these like these crazy conversations. Oh, and, interesting. Um, and he says to me, he's like, Atisa, you know, you're a tortured soul because you worry about other people who may not even worry about you. Uh, that's my new puppy, by the way. <laughs> that? What kind of puppy, puppy is it? It's a Presa Canario, a 90 pound puppy, by the way, that could, <laughs> you know, maul me in my sleep if I, uh, if I don't. 
if I don't treat her right. <laughs> if I don't Stay give her the love she deserves, she, yeah, she can kill me at yeah. any given time, right? I, I know this. I know this, and I and that's the respect that you have to give. That to is absolute respect. Uh, like <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he because I don't know when it happened, Chris. But you know, the the person that you're speaking of in reference to me, this Adisa, I'm starting to realize that none of us are all that special, but all of us are that special, right? We all should be given a chance to do anything we want in this world. And it irks me on a on a real deep level that some people never get even just a sniff of the opportunity. And for what? Greed? You know, like it, it, I stay up in bed, my girl, she, you know, she, she always tries to calm me down and stuff like that, because I freak out about things that I have zero control over, but it just drives me crazy that I was, was, was given this chance while others weren't given this chance. What's so special about me? I'm just, and, and when Sam and I have these conversations, he, he, he often tries to quote the Bible and says, you know, take the power of a change the things that you, you, you can and, you know, have the. The, the power to to know the difference of the things you can't and stuff like that. And I'm just like, hey man, fuck that noise. I want to change things. I I, I want to be able to like help. But it hurts me that if my rent is X, if my car insurance is X, what's left over, right? And what percentage of that do I need to give to help? And there's not that much left over. And it bothers me that I don't have more to give. I wish I had more to give because I would give it all, right? Like I said earlier, place to stay, a trip to Trinidad a year, that's all I'm asking for, to go visit my family, and I would give it all away because that's how I think this world should be. It should be fair. I know we say life is not fair, but I think that adage is getting old. Why isn't it? Mm. You know how many words that we've come up with in the English language that has never actually come to fruition? Mm. Like peace. Mm-hmm. We've created the word for it, but we've never done it. Mm-hmm. And fairness that, you know, say stuff like, oh, this is not fair. I'm like, why isn't it fair? Why doesn't this person get an opportunity? Why doesn't that person get an opportunity? And it drives me insane, Chris. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what I can do in my measly lifetime. Because like me and Sam says, they killed the last guys that tried to make a change, right? Like Martin Luther King. Do I think I could put together a better speech than him? I can't. Not a fucking chance. Not on my greatest day I could do that. But they gone and killed him. Mm-hmm. So what kind of hope is there now? And it freaks me out. Like, I, I try to do whatever I can, but there's pillars that we had, Chris, that are gone now. Two things I would say. One, something that's given me, because you, you, like me, have a, a high sense of empathy. And, uh, and you can see the, the injustices that are out there, and you can't wrap your head around it. So I, I can relate. Um, my, my biggest... Um, influence my my biggest source of inspiration has always been and always will be my mom and you know so so just like you like like I said before my mama's boy and my mom had nothing uh, the only thing she ever did was just do and provide and be there and so for the yeah. longest time as I was growing up trying to figure out how I was going to change the world and how I was going to you know make millions of dollars so I can give my family everything and all that type of stuff I forgot the one thing that uh, that I keep reminding myself of now um, it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter how much shit you have it doesn't matter what you give to people you have to just give of yourself and that's the thing with you that I see as well you give of yourself 
that's what your mom did for you. I'm sure your dad did mm -hmm. for you in a certain way as well. But when you say, what can I give? I just echo back to you. Just keep giving you. Listen, every once in a while, you're going to have to fucking stop and you're going to have to take a breath and you're going to have to say, fuck everybody. Fuck those Americans. They don't give a shit about anybody else. You're going to have to do that for peace of mind. But you're always going to end up being back to who you are, which is, no, you know what? I got to speak out because this stuff is nonsense. These, these atrocities do have to stop. People do have to get out of their own way and realize that we actually are just one fucking species. That's it. Dude. You know, the other day I was tripping out about because I do this shit and yeah. I trip myself out. There's only male and female. Yeah. I mean, now, now we're, we're able to, to bridge that gap out a little bit and make people feel comfortable in their skin. But there's only us on this planet, mm -hmm. right? This ball of rock whipping through the universe. It's just us. Yep. There's only yep. two of us. There's the ones that can have babies and there's the ones that can... I guess, put the baby in you, Yeah, you know? And this yeah. is me just talking from like a, a, a total biological um, perspective. I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to alienate anyone else who wants to, not wants to, I should say, I don't want to alienate anybody else who feels uh, a, a different way, right? Absolutely. But I was just tripping Absolutely. out the other day because I'm sitting on the couch with my girl. And, well, you know, there's only just two types of human beings on the planet, right? It's just the craziest thing when you, when you really look at it because it just seems normal, normal, right? You're like, you're like, whatever, it's a girl, this guy, or whatever. When you think about it, there's only the two of us motherfuckers on this goddamn planet. And the only thing that's different is the shades of our skin and the coarseness of our hair. That's really it. Yeah. But somewhere along the line, Chris, we figured out a way to divide us. I don't know how or why. I wish I was there back in the day to be like, nah, I think this is a shit idea. I think this should help. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wish I was back there. If there, if there was a voting committee, like yeah. if there was a vote, yeah. you know, I'd, yeah. be, I'd be like, nah, let's just, let's just keep it the way it is. Everybody's just everybody. Like, I think we should just do, do away with this. Like, I don't like, I don't like that talk about separating the, the whatever, you know, like it, 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 it trips me out. And I always fall back onto Carl Sagan's pale blue dot. Yeah. Right. Amazing. That speech or that monologue always brings me to tears. Right. Every time I hear it, because I think people truly forget what he's trying to or what's his, his intention in that little monologue. It's we're the only ones we've ever known. That's it. Yep. Every evil guy you've known, every good guy you've ever known has only existed on this little blue dot. And as he's zooming away from the earth, if you turn your head away from the TV screen for two seconds, Chris, you've lost the earth. It's gone. You can't see it anymore amongst the stars and the dots. Out. Yeah. So when he really broke it down, I really started to think about that. And I'm like, yeah, it's only happened here on this earth. We like to think universal. We like to think big and think galaxies and universe and stuff like that. But no man's ever made it past the moon. Yeah. A couple of people think we never even made it to the moon, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, there's some crazy people out there, but dude, we've never been to Mars, we've never been past Saturn, we've never been past Jupiter. Like, we can't go to Mercury, it's too damn hot. Like, yeah. we've only really just been around this globe, and everything that's happened has happened here. Star Wars was filmed here, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was not filmed anywhere else. 2001. You know, we, we yeah, we, we we love to think that we're bigger than this planet, but we're not. We're just as small as the planet. 
And we need to start thinking inward. We need to start thinking about ourselves. And I think we lost our way a long time. We can't seem to get out of our own way, Adisa. Like, I don't understand it, yeah, right? Like, can. I mean, I, I, I go back and I, and I you know, I, right now I am, uh, I'm listening to a book. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, called uh, Black Against Empire. It's the, uh, it's the rise of the Black Panthers. Actually, it was written. Do you have it? I'm looking. No, I don't, okay. no, I don't, don't see it there. It's, it's phenomenal. And, and I mean, it does, it does, uh, you know, just basically goes back into the, the start of the Black Panthers and, and what was going on there. And after, you know, doing different dives on different things, like, you know, I'm a, I'm an avid uh, fan of, of war, the wars, you know, uh, Nazi Germany, like just all the atrocities and all the phenomenal wild wicked things that were happening then and you start to realize that all this Sorry, i'm just laughing because i go to, i go to sleep to all of that stuff oh yeah man oh fuck it's i, I put on the great the great battles of world war ii and i i turn up the volume so i could just hear it and i go to sleep so i just like why do you like going to sleep to listening to nazis and i'm like i just like to hear about the war because <laughs> I'm right there with you. Go. No, it's true. It's true, right? Like to, to be able to look back at these things and go like, what makes what makes us do these things? What makes us think that uh, that there's there's one specific type of person that is superior to another, and then what it creates. And so this is the thing that blows my mind. This is the thing that fucks with me constantly. Is when people start to focus on the symptoms of things, right? So you start to talk about the Black Panthers. And of course, as a white guy who, they don't teach you about Black Panthers in school. They don't, they just don't do it. Doesn't make a difference if you're here, America, it doesn't matter. They just don't teach you about it. So mm -hmm. what my, what I know is that the Black Panthers are a, basically a, a, an answer to the Ku Klux Klan, that just the KKK, like, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna do things that, that, uh, that they find are important to get their message across. But then mm -hmm. you go back and you start to find out why these things were formed. And all of these groups were formed because of a problem. These things then become symptoms. So you get yes. these situations that tend to arise. It's like, okay, well, now the Black Panthers are perpetrated and they're, they're promoting uh, military, military action, but they're promoting protecting themselves, arming yourself to protect yourself. If nobody is going to help you, we're going to help ourselves. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, that makes fucking sense to me. Like if I see my family, if I see my people, everybody around me in my community getting slaughtered, because that's what was happening in the, in the sixties, you know, people getting slaughtered, just like they're getting, you know, killed now down in the States. So this shit's not new. Mm -hmm. You know, this is just mm -hmm. the latest iteration of it. Why wouldn't you then take up arms to protect yourself? So you talked about, right. you know, you talked about Malcolm or you sorry, you talked about uh, um, Martin Luther King. And when he comes in and he's, he's preaching speech, He's, he's in his speeches talking about peace and love and we've got to do this. And, and, and I, I get it to a point, but then when nothing happens, when you're talking about this thing, that gives rise to Malcolm, right? And Malcolm uh, comes 100%, in, and, right? 100%. So Malcolm comes in and says like, listen, guys, means necessary. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And how the hell can you blame? But then people take a look. So I've been doing this thing where, where people don't pay attention to the steps along the way. They take a look at a section and then they look back and go, how the fuck did we get over here? So the Black Panther, yes. Black people are being suppressed and the Black Panthers then form. And then the white people are like, see, Black Panthers are the representation of everything evil about Black people. It's like, well, no, but look at yes. all the fucking steps that we took to get to that point. 
Like nobody pays attention to all of that. They get caught up in the symptoms Then you get riots and you get protests. And I hear people as I'm talking to them this year about Black Lives Matter and, and the, the, current, uh, the current development of this situation. And I hear people have the audacity to say, well, people are down there protesting and they're breaking windows. Black people are breaking windows and they're stealing. Did you ever consider the fact that, sure, there might be some bad apples on that side of the equation, but they wouldn't have been in that situation had people just treated them like normal fucking human beings. Then I right. come back to that thing that we said before, which is we're just one species. We're yeah. one species, right? Like you said, man, woman, uh, you know, egg, semen, however that transaction takes place. Male, male, like you said, you know, it doesn't make a difference. Whatever, whatever your family is, it is, but you have to have an egg and you have to have semen and you spread this species. That's what we do. But if we ever put this nonsense, which I have no idea, like I said, like you said, actually, had there been a vote way back then, we wouldn't even be right. on this planet right now. We would be on other planets, period. Oh, dude, period. I'd have my flying car by now. Oh. I'd, have my, I'd have my fucking flying car. Uh, we would have done, like, you know, we, we would have advanced ourselves so far if we just allowed the black guy to come in there and solve the problem. Yeah. Or the black woman to come in there and solve the problem. Or, or the, the Pakistani person to come in and solve the problem, right? You know, to your point, I was, I was speaking with my girl the other day because we were watching Cosmos, right? I watched the Cosmos like eight times, right? It's great. Probably more. I love it. It's amazing. Um, but, but he was talking about how the early um, uh, Arabs were measuring the distance of the stars. Basically, were the, the, the grandfathers of modern-day math arithmetic right absolutely all of the the arabs that's why we call it arithmetic and um you know abacus and all of that stuff right it came from them so if they were the fathers of math and science and stuff like that gave us the zero that helped develop math and science theory astrophysics why are they now being talked about like they're subhuman people they were literally the foundation of our entire society when it comes to science and math. I use technology that relies on the footwork that they first did back in the day. Yet, we talk down about these people like they know nothing, like they did nothing. Yeah. It's disgusting to me how we don't remember who actually paved the way for all the bravado that we have today. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely insane to me. You know, like space programs, all of that stuff wouldn't be possible. You wouldn't be able to, to, to calculate uh, the, the telemetry of a rocket coming back into Earth or even launching that rocket if you didn't have these guys put the work in ahead of time. But yet, now, in this day and age, they're just, they're just a bunch of savages out there living in sand. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so strange to me how, we, how, 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 how our memories are so short and we forget these guys were just doing science for the betterment of mankind. That's all they were doing. They were like, you know, they go out there with their little, I don't know what that thing's called. I don't want to call it a sextant, but uh, maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not it's 100%, like, 100%. <laughs> not 100% sure. I, I mean, I looked a lot of this shit. But yeah. I don't want anybody to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> they went out there with their you know, instruments of measurement. With their instruments. <laughs> And they, and they were measuring distance of stars. Like these guys were like, and this is something I'm going to write down. I should write this down for, and share this with other people. Great libraries they had 
you know, in Northern Africa and stuff like that, that other cultures could come and read their books and everything like that. And then there was the mass book burning. Did a nigga write this? Did a nigga write this? Okay, we're gonna have to burn all of this. Why? Let's see. But they took what they wanted though. They took the information that they needed and then turned it into information that they claimed that they created. It's so crazy the people we praise. You know, I was watching a, 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 a Colin James the other day, stand-up comedian, old, old stand-up comedian. And he was talking about how Christopher Columbus went from great to bad, to great, to bad, to great, to bad. And the motherfucker's been dead for like 600 years. <laughs> oh, like our memories are so fucked. Like we, we don't even know whether to hate the guy or to love the guy. I think now we're on hate. Right? Is that now, where we are? Now we don't want I think so, because they're getting rid of Columbus Day, right? So they're like, oh, we can't, we can't support Columbus Day. And I'm like, I, you know, it's all right. We can't, we can't support Columbus Day, but keep the, um, the uh, colonialist uh, statues up, right? Because oh, yeah. we can't forget history, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. So what history are you trying to remember and forget? You know, and, and it's so mind-blowing when people find out that the, um, a lot of these Confederate statues were placed well, well after the Civil War ended. We're talking like in like the 50s and shit like that. That's when they put these statues up. So you want me to remember history from something that just happened recently in your country that embodies slavery and turning human beings into beasts of burdens. But you don't want to acknowledge the fact that some guy, some Arabian guy came up with math and, and, and helped forge your own society. We choose what we want to remember in this world. This is a very dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Very dangerous. The fact that history doesn't have enough writers from every side writing something right? definitely you know like history is coming in from like you know there's one or two books the well, history is written by the victors they say right book. right my social studies book chris in high school and there's a photo there's a river natives are on one side the hudson's bay company's on the other side and it's one of those like <laughs> like, like reaching across the water to each other in this peaceful manner i got graded on that i received the grade that went toward my gpa then went toward whether or not I could enter college on a lie, Chris. Wow. On a lie. I was wow. graded on a lie. Jeez. It's not truth today. It ain't the same textbook. No. But I was graded on a lie. Hmm. So think about how many people in a society that runs their society today that went to university based off of lies that they read and learned in textbooks. Back yeah. How many, how many mathematicians live in fucking Pakistan, bro? Like, like you know how much it blows my mind about, like, uh, just that entire... Uh, uh, all of India, like how smart people are over there. Mm -hmm. Like, it's insane. Like, and then they come over here and we're like, oh, we don't recognize your university over there. Um, you're going to drive. Uber. Never understood. No, that. just the institutional racism that we have running through our, 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 our systemic veins over here is disgusting. Like, disgusting. I've heard stories about people not wanting to go to a, a, a Pakistani doctor. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what do you think their heart's on the other side over there? Like, well, what do you think this is? This guy's a genius. Did you spend the past 20 years in school learning this stuff? Or did you spend the last 20 years just working on your prejudice? Right? Yeah. Which, which, which is actually what the case is, right? Like, we have forgotten our way. You know when they talk about whether or not aliens have been to Earth? I think they showed up and was like, mm, we'll come back in about 500 years. <laughs> when you cavemen figured it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they're like, oh, aliens definitely exist. And they came by and they were just like, ah, I mean, what is, what do they call this football? Wait a minute. So, so somebody, 
throws a ball. <laughs> and look at the stands. They're like, yeah, we'll come back. We'll see you. We'll see you in a little while. Just, they're just wrap this they're up, distracted. They're they're no threat. Don't get me started on aliens because I'm I'm almost positive <laughs> that we're actually the aliens that have visited us. I'm pretty sure that we've made it off this place already and just never came back. But there there because there's no way yeah, he's got a great no theory way. about that, by the way. Does he? <laughs> oh. Well, he figured that if they were to come here, they would see all the black people being like because of slavery, they would come here and see all these big men, you know, these huge, and they would be like, well, clearly they're the superior race, right? <laughs> and then have it be one of those movies where the aliens come and they save all the black people because they look like they're the they're the working force of North America. They're the working force, of, you know, the whole continent of Africa. They'd be like, well, these guys seem like they're like physically fit to to, to handle most of the things, you know? Let's take them. Let's leave everybody else, right? Like, I was like, Jamie. Um, We'll go into the we'll go into the pitch room together on that one. I'll sit in the corner. I'll let you do most of the talking. <laughs> but I I don't I mean I don't get it, man. I mean to your point, I I just I don't understand. I don't understand how somebody can, you know, look at somebody else and say nope nope they're not good enough uh, based on simply the way that they look. I don't understand it. I understand assessing circumstances on a case-by-case basis, whether the person is black, white, you know, Chinese, it doesn't matter. Assess it on the situation. If that person is an asshole, they're an asshole. If they're a good person that can contribute to society, then they're that. Like, where the hell did that go? I know this is something that's never really, this is always something that people talk about, but I've said this for years. The only way we're ever going to come together as a species is if we're threatened by something bigger than us. And we have just recently gotten a taste of that with COVID, right? Just for a brief moment when the whole world was being threatened for the first time, something that actually, you know, affected us all. Not that was I want to say white people. I want to say specifically when white people's mortalities were tested, that's when we started to freak out. Because when we hear about Ebola and, and all the sort of dysentery that comes from drinking all the bad water going out through that entire continent of Africa and all those countries, oh, warlords and everything crazy like that happened, meh, we don't really care. We glazed over what happened in Rwanda. Nobody really cares. Made a movie, a movie. It. that was it, right? Don Cheadle was in it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, like nobody really cared about it. But now here comes this pandemic that could affect you, Mr. White guy. Oh, okay, guys, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. We need to we need to shut her down. We need to make moves. And it's like, that's what I've noticed because there's a lot of countries right now that are like, oh, is, oh, is there a pandemic? I haven't eaten for months. I didn't even notice. Look at all the countries that are shutting down big time that are the, that used to be like the, uh, the big powerhouses. You know, England, England's panicking. I don't know if the United States is panicking. Germany is shutting down like, Italy's getting boned. You're looking at all these countries that have all these people with fairer, fairer skins that are really freaking out, you know, because their precious life is being threatened. Mm-hmm. And this is by a virus, not like um, inner city poverty is going to take my white kids. Inner city crime is not going to take my white child, but this virus can. So I need to do something about it. Even the fact that we're all citizens of this country, we didn't care about everybody until it affected you and in your home, right? That's what I've noticed that happened with this this particular situation. 
So I've been able to just look at it from a little bit from the outside, just watching how people react to this pandemic and how they, rea uh, they react to fear, right? And they're not taking it very well, bro. Nope. They are freaking the fuck out. And as they should, but they should freak the fuck out when certain schools don't get the same funding as other schools. Why? Because they don't live in the neighborhood you live in. Your property tax on your $8 million house should not go to this school over here. Why, why, why is that? What, what, why can't some of these inner city schools? And they live there because that's all they can afford. And this goes way back to something you can't control yourself, but you can help change the future, but they won't. So those are all problems, but we don't really look at those problems until it affects us. And that's one of the biggest things that bothers me in this. Nothing matters until it happens to us. It's like nobody's going on a cancer walk until their mom gets cancer. Yeah, you know what I'm fair. saying? Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 that's kind of how we operate in this world, right? Like no one's, no one's uh, keeping that mustache going all of November until somebody in their family gets prostate cancer. We're also reactionary in this world. And that's what I think we're missing in this world. We don't do things for other people unless it affects us, which is one of the sad things about our society. And like you said, doesn't matter. It's the merit. It's the it, what, what did MLK say? It's the content of their character, right? That's the only thing that should really matter, right? I give everybody an opportunity in this world. I don't care what color skin you want, dude. I can give a shit. If anything, if you're a different culture from me, I want you to tell me something I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I want you to educate me. I was lucky enough to have a conversation with an Iranian man the other day, and I was like, "Yo, bro, can I ask you like?" Uh, can I ask you a question? I know you're you know, doing some stuff. And, he, and he's like, sure, go ahead. And I was like, what do you think about Soleimani and what happened with Soleimani? And he's like, ooh, and this guy, Chris, I got to tell you, this guy gave me a proper answer because he's actually from Iran, Yeah. right? He goes, well, Soleimani's a bad guy. He's a real bad guy and he killed a lot of people. Do I love other people killing people on my, on my soil? Not so much. And that gave me a good perspective. I'm like, okay, great. I'm not going to be all like poor Soleimani, but I will be, maybe you shouldn't be dropping bombs on somebody else's country. Maybe they can deal with it internally. I mean, of course, this is geopolitics. So this goes well beyond information that I have. Sure. And probably well beyond information that my, uh, this person that I, my acquaintance has. Um, but I was able to get information from a, from a source it actually has a hand in the pot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I do every time I come across a new culture, bro. Um, and it's so fucked to say a new culture, right? Because how many times do we run into Iraqis or Afghani people or Iranian people or Albanian people? You're absolutely right. But I, but I think that that's the, that's the right way to do it. Like learn as you go, ask the questions as you go. I mean, mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to meet a guy from, from Germany when I was in, of all places, Memphis. Uh, just, mm -hmm. you know, when I brought my mom down there to go to fucking see Graceland and, and <laughs> a, a German guy with like, German just a guy with the sax being all like, yeah, I love the sax. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he was doing there, but man, he was, he was German and, and me being, you know, the, the, uh, the history lover that I am, I, I had to ask him, like, can you tell me like, what is it like in Germany now in terms of, uh, the holocaust like what what do you like what's the deal like what do you guys like i mean is this sorry to be so you know ignorant and he's like i'm so glad that you asked me that he's like because 
we teach it in school. We teach it in school. Yes, I've heard this. I've heard I had this, no yes. fucking idea. All these, they all do. this stuff that I've watched and all this thing, you know. And and I I had learned that this was years ago that I was down there, and I and I thought to myself that stuck with me because now that we're going through and we're removing these remnants of history that really should never been celebrated. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I have to say that I kind of struggle because I don't know what the answer is in terms of correcting the wrongs of the past, because my, my philosophy oh. is, I know, because my philosophy is learn from the past, but don't live in it. I've been saying this for years. I, I just, I yeah. strongly, strongly believe that. I don't think we should be celebrating people who have obviously, get, there's clear cut rights and wrongs, people who have obviously committed wrongs. You can't celebrate those people, but I also don't think that you can wipe it out of existence without teaching mm -hmm. people that this is what happened. Because if we do that, it's gonna happen again. Germany is my kind of cornerstone for that. That was one yeah. of the most heinous atrocities of human history, recorded history for sure. Yeah. They don't simply say that. Ah, there was a period of time where uh, the records got lost. They embrace what they've done, right? They teach it to their young. They have rebuilt as a country and it's not forgotten, nor should it be, but it's also not no. celebrated. You're not seeing fucking statues of God, no, not in Germany. No, I think there's actually laws against that stuff. It is. Germany. There is a law. You can't have a swastika or anything like that. Uh, no, yeah, there's of Nazi Germany. They're quite ashamed of that. Um, and you're absolutely right. They do teach it. Um, but I mean, like you say, uh, I watch a lot of, uh, World War II in color mm. and uh, great battles of World War II and stuff like that. And every time I rewatch it, Chris, I, I have this, I don't know what to call it, but I have a, like a different perspective on Germany, right? Like World War I was madness, right? World War I was kind of one of those things where it's like, this is new warfare. We have new weapons we need to try out. It was almost like World War I was like a, the, the ultimate precursor to World War II because we're like, you know, we have these cool weapons. They're not fully developed yet. Let's give, it a, let's give it a few years and then we'll fire this up in the next few years, right? But what ended up happening after World War II, which I'm sure you're very aware of, is what they did, what the global community did to Germany, mm -hmm. right? So what do you, any psychologist would tell you you emasculate anybody, they will take that to heart, right? Like, and I don't just mean to, to heart. They will, they will come back stronger and more fierce. So you, you almost beg the question, because this world is ran on money, that people knew that, mm -hmm. right? What they did to Germany was brought them so close to their knees, no fault of the citizens, fault of the governments running these people, but the citizens got to feel the repercussions of the Treaty of Versailles. The citizens got to feel that. They had nothing to do with it. So here comes this madman who's only preaching things that makes you feel good, right? It's like your boyfriend dumps you savagely and then your girlfriends come over and they hype you up. What do you do? You come out and you fuck everybody out there, right? Like Absolutely. you get hyped up, right? Your girlfriends come over and they're like, you gonna take that shit from these motherfuckers? You can't take this shit from these motherfuckers? We're not gonna take this shit from these motherfuckers. And they come back crazy and they come back hard. Now, what Germany did, I felt, was a little aggressive, but that was the world. 
And this is outside of the atrocity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I rarely like to speak about the atrocity because I don't, I don't enjoy, well, nothing about World War II I enjoy, but I don't like putting that in the same category as the world fighting, you know, because I feel like that atrocity, I don't want to use the term side project, but that was something that was over like here. While the world, agenda. It was like a hidden agenda yeah. over here. So I don't love grouping that into what was happening in World War right? Plus, I also have my opinions about the fact that, um, you know, Himmler was fucking insane, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And whatever he did, you know, it's kind of like, you know, today Trump would be like, I never signed off on that, mm -hmm. you know? You know, so it's always, and no way am I trying to absolve anybody of blame, but that war and everything that happened in that war was so fucked up. You couldn't possibly have known everything that's happening in this country. Mm -hmm. All over. Mm -hmm. right? We didn't have cell phones like we had today. We didn't have ways of reaching them. So when, you know, Hitler says to Himmler, figure out something, Himmler figured out something. And what he figured out was the atrocity, mm -hmm. right? So I try to keep that over there. Mm -hmm. But what happened to the, Jew, uh, to the, the German people, I thought was truly unfair. And them coming back and retaliating the way they did um, was what was going to happen. Yeah. Like, how did we not think? What did we really think this once great Germanic empire was just going to lay down just because? I didn't think that was going to happen. Any psychologist would have told you that they, they would have been plotting to regain some of their honor. Mm -hmm. Right. And a guy came along, got some, some, some shit, got in everybody's ears and got everybody riled up. Yeah. Right. That's not to say everybody in Germany agreed with everything that he was saying, mm -hmm. but it was better than eating your leather shoe, you know, and we can call out Germany for being however they want. But we hear that same rhetoric coming from the South. We, we look out for us. We look out for us. Right. America first. Right. We look out for us. Yeah. Right. So like you were saying, we're supposed to like look at history, not relive it. But those guys, they're trying to relive it. And, and that's fucked up. So I have my ideas about Germany, and I don't hate Germany. Yeah. I just know that Germany was reactionary at that time, right? And they came back and they did something. The wrong guy let him, but whether it was him or another person, it was going to happen. It was fertile ground, right? I mean, that, that's exactly. what ends up happening that's when it's, it's a classic bully situation. And so you did have, and I, I do agree with you, by the way, about uh, Germany, and I often get uh, bugged about being a, a Hitler lover. I'm not a Hitler lover. I understand a lot of the stuff that happened over there. And obviously you can't, you, who the hell is going to condone the atrocities, of course. But to echo your words, what did you think was going to happen? You drove a country deep into the ground where wheelbarrows full of their paper money was worth nothing. Absolutely right. nothing. And, and you did it by bully tactics because you thought this is the way that you were going to crush out a culture. And this is not new. This is what's been happening since the beginning, since the beginning. Like we're finding yeah. more and more records now of different societies that have been completely wiped out simply because another society either didn't agree with their thoughts or just, you know, wanted to do it better, or they just wanted what they, they had. Right. Mm -hmm. But all you're doing is you're wiping out another species because or another sorry another uh, uh, culture because you think that you can do it better and now you are starting to see and that creating an enemy of course you are of course you are and creating an enemy but it how the hell can you go enemy. back now how, like how can you do that like i mean I've, obviously i know that there's no answer to this but 
Are no, we no, too- some of these things, some too- the, yeah. Are yeah. we too far down the road now to, to like, because I'll be honest with you. I had this thought. This is something that I've been kind of throwing around in my mind for a couple of years now. I was listening to a couple of different podcasts and whatever, and they were talking, this, uh, this it was a psychology podcast, and they were actually talking about um, uh, Black uh, culture down in the States, and they were following a Black doctor, and he was finding that there's, a, a, there's an epidemic down in parts of the States where Black men don't want to go to see a doctor. And when they further investigated this, they realized it's because they don't feel comfortable seeing a white doctor. They want to talk to somebody who actually communicates the way that's going to, that they're going to understand them. Now, I'm sure that that's embroiled in a whole lot of reasons, but it started Mm -hmm. making me think, and I hate to say this because I like to believe that we're better than this. Are we asking too much to be integrated? like come on no, I, you know what i mean like i i, I, I fucking hate i fucking hate saying that but time and time again adisa we see this division and separation and there is that's, something to be said for being comfortable with people who you do look like well, and look like you for for it seems well, like yeah do you, do you want to go to a do you want to go to a doctor and you're like he's like you got you got high blood pressure and he goes brother that fried chicken you've been eating and you're like <laughs> <sighs> Like, I don't eat that much fried chicken. <laughs> you know are <what> <laughs> like, sitting in the doctor's office and he's just trying to talk to you. He's like, you got to lay off on those ham hocks. And you're like, motherfucker, I don't eat ham hocks. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I don't know what it is you people eat, but you got to cut it out. And you're just like, you know what? I'm going to go see Leroy. Leroy. Yeah, he's just got <laughs> Leroy's got his own little practice set up. I mean, okay, so maybe he's not licensed. licensed I don't think you're wrong. Cool. I don't I think don't you're know. wrong with what you just know. said. Right. It does sound crazy because it sounds like segregation. Right. But I think segregation has a problem with it because one culture is above the other. Right. Segregation was never like we're going to separate whites and blacks in the United States and they get to go do their own thing and, and then come together and integrate on certain levels, but then separate at the end of the day and do their own things. Segregation was like you go through the back door. Um, you drink out of this water fountain. You sit on the back of the bus. You get last of this. You get last of that. So that's not what Black people want. They want to remain their culture, but with some integration. Like, I should be able to go into the same office building as you, crush out the same job. You treat me as an equal. And if I do want to go in a community that makes the food that I love, and do the things that I love, I, that should be fine. Mm-hmm. And I should be able to also do that with prime real estate too. You can't keep redlining the shit out of the city to keep me in certain communities, right? And that's where the segregation happens, right? Like, not that we're forcing integration. It's that somebody's not ready for the integration. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who's not ready for it. I'm not sure if, because Black people are scorned, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take a while for them to to warm up to the idea that the white guy actually sees them as an equal, right? And I really mean that, you know, in, every, in most scenarios that I walk into, I definitely try not to use any slang mm-hmm. or, or ebonics in my, in my, uh, in my speech, just, just so that they would think that I'm somewhat educated, right? right? You know, like right. those, those, are the, those are the things that I do in my day-to-day life that most people won't pick up on, right? But I do that. Right. You know, I, I, I try to read enough. I try to I try to stay up on things enough because for the longest time, all people wanted to talk to me about, you know, and that always irritated me. Um, but, you know, I have to, like, walk out in this world to try and force the white people out there 
to see me as an equal. And it does get tiring, right? It does get um, a little bit old. You know, I've had my, my, my fair share of inequality within the kitchen walls. That's why I've decided to go off on my own. I've had people supersede me in positions when I was senior to the position, knew everything about the menu, and they still got the, the better job than I did. There are still little things like that. And Chris, you know what really sucks about that too? Is because of the, um, the insidious racism that looms in all African-Americans' heads, it's really hard for me to just believe that the other guy was just more qualified. You know what I mean? It's kind of fucked. Like, I could just look at it like that, right? I could be like, well, he was just better for the job. But just the fact that I know that there is that division between our skin color, it's really hard for me to shake it. Hmm. It's really hard for me to be like, okay, Adisa, no, it has nothing to do with your skin color. It has everything to do with your talent and skill. And, but then when I sit there and I look at my talent and skill, I go, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it is because I am like, black or maybe because i i'm a loud talker maybe because i exude confidence maybe i freak people out me and my boys have decided that the term aggressive is the new word way of saying nigger oh, <laughs> Adisa, really? you're being aggressive oh, really? yeah we have we've been we've been saying that because people have like i see white chefs yell at people all the time but every time i've raised my voice because of something it's like oh these are being aggressive oh wow so i've now had to like put myself in a situation where I'm the boss and I'm the only one there. Um, I'm creating an environment that I don't have to worry about anybody thinking that I'm being aggressive because it's just, wow. and that's a sad way to live, to think that, I, that I'm worried that if I hire somebody else, um, that they're gonna be worried that if I raise my voice, they think I'm being aggressive. Not, not, not if I was white, you know what I would be? Assertive. Passionate. Passionate. Oh, passionate. passionate. Mm -hmm. Right, I'd be, I'd be assertive. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. being black, you're aggressive. Big angry black man, right? It's a similar plight that uh, that like a uh, that a, that an aggressive female gets, right? She she's yeah. not she's not just a confident woman. She's she's a bitch. Exactly. Right. right? So there, this, Look at that bitch. Why don't you smile more? You know what I'm saying? Like this world does have a very interesting way of piling people into categories, and I don't want to bust the balls of the white population too much because I've experienced some of the horrible racism that I've experienced in this world is actually not from white people, mm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, so, but what I do say is that because of the country I live in, the white people is the one who controls the institutional um, racism that goes on in this country. But the day-to-day -day shit that I see and I hear and stuff like that, not typically from the white person because, you know, white people they don't want to be viewed as the bad guys, so they never really sink into the face. But some other cultures do. Mm -hmm. Tell me I haven't been walking down the street and hear somebody yells something out of a car as they go by. The, the, the problem with that, Chris, is that it always cracks me up because when you hear it, it's like, nigga. <laughs> and I can't stop laughing. <laughs> See, I make lemonade out of everything, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just like, course. oh my God. Well, that's fucking hilarious, really? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Listen, if, if, you're not, if you're not white and male, then you've, you've been wronged in a lot of ways in this country in North America. I mean, that's pretty fucking obvious, right? I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, all white males are, are bad because I don't think I am. Um, but there is definitely a lot out there that are. That being that's said- the one thing I feel bad about white guys for. Mm -hmm. the, the same blanket that a lot of black people get uh, thrown over top of them, 
white guys get that too. And I don't think that's. Yeah. I mean, I I like to think that people could, could see through that and and whether they can or they can't is, is irrelevant. I mean, people are going to have their own views, whether or not I'm like, it's so funny because we've talked about this, uh, the, you know, white privilege and I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around that um, because I haven't actually, I haven't been able to see it with my open eyes now. Um, and that's mm. not to say that I don't think it exists because of course it does. The proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, certain things happen because, you know, you're, you're white and especially if you're male. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend that that it doesn't exist. Um, well, white privilege is not something that you can see. It's something that's an absence from the other culture, right? Yes. So you don't have an extra thing It's that people don't have a thing. Oh, see, I like that. I like that perspective. I, That's I, how I look at it. I, okay. I don't think you have the white privilege where you get certain things. I think you just get the, the this. The, you get what the world is giving you. So we call that white privilege. Okay, that that puts it in a way different perspective than I've heard so far. So thanks for that because I've I've been trying to figure it out. I mean, I, I like I said, I know that there is a separation there. That's a good way. Because you're not going to go into a store, Chris, and 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 the black guy in front of you is going to be like, "Yo, can I get a pack of cigarettes?" The guy goes, "Ooh, we're all out of cigarettes." And then you roll up after and go, "Hey, can I get a pack of cigarettes?" The guy's like, "Of course, let me grab your cigarettes." Like, that would be. You could then say, "That's a white privilege, right?" Yes. Like you could, you're getting yes. something from it, but you, but that's not how it would be. Yeah. Right. It would be whether or not you got followed around the store or something, stuff like well, that. Weird, weird things like that. And that's the and that's the interesting thing because you know somebody who did grow up in Scarborough and somebody who does have you know uh, black family and black friends I've never been accused of white privilege so when white pri- when white privilege came around and I first started to kind of explore the idea I was like yeah I've never been accused of of having it or experience or you know it to my face because I I don't know maybe it's the type of people I hang around with that just don't think that way mm-hmm. and whatever the case might be. But um, that's a really good way of putting it. It would be hard for you to notice, but whether or not you're hearing people talk or not, say you walked into a restaurant mm-hmm. with your black family, the, the way that the, the dialogue would go is like, look at that guy over there with all those black, those are the kind of things that just, it's like, not look at all those people over there. It's like, look at that guy over there with all those black people, right? So they've separated you from the herd already, right? By just calling you a guy, which is the norm, zero, mm-hmm. and then they're referring to the the black people you're with as me. So that's how, it's not something you can put your finger on. And I'm not. I I never loved this new culture that we're with. Is everything so hashtagable? Oh shit! You yeah. Say something like Labels. white privilege. What the hell does that actually mean? Right? It's just too big of a blanket for you to call somebody. Oh, you're just you're just dealing with your white privilege. Especially for a, a, a guy who, like yourself, has just been walking around the world just being like, I'm just a fucking human being, mm-hmm. right? And then somebody to accuse you of having white privilege, you're like, well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Like, what, 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 what have I done? Is it, is it my fault that I, you know, I, I had a home? Is it my fault that, you know, I was able to have some education? None of that is your fault. That is just society. You shouldn't have to be blamed for things that are happening within your society. What you learn from your society and what you exude is your fault, right? All the things you put forth into this world is your responsibility. But we can't always be charged with the sins of our father. Chris, you're just a dude, right? You're a guy with a big heart. 
and you get out there and you do your things. And it turns out you're also white. And that goes the same for another guy who just turns out to be black. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask to be born black. I sure as shit didn't ask to be born in Trinidad. Just like somebody didn't ask to be born in Sudan. Right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody, nobody was, and trust me, if you had a choice, you wouldn't say, yeah, plop me down in Sudan. <laughs> you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that, right? Or like rest or something like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like me and my boys joke, we want to come back as a as a white woman, right? Oh. A lot of people would say a white man, right? We're better than that. We're like, no. And and I should also um uh mention note a hot white woman. Okay. <laughs> all right, okay. Right. Okay. For all the superficial reasons, right? You know what I'm saying? You go to the club with cab fare. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You go to the club with just money to get back home. That's it. And you leave feeling great. like I want to do that. I want, you think I could ever walk into a club with $20 in my pocket? Like, you kidding me? Like, I want to go back and I want, and I want to be fine too. I want, I want, I want to be able to wear heels. I, I, I want, I want everything to fit. Right. I don't want to have any of those problems. Right. I want, I want to be tall. I want blonde. I want blue eyes. I want to have nice cheekbones and a fat ass. And, and I don't want my titties to be too big. I want decent sized things, right? You know what I'm saying? And then I, I, I wanna, I wanna be educated, but I don't want anybody to know I'm educated. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm creating the perfect woman I want to be. With. I feel would be almost perfect. Wow, almost, almost perfect. But the fact that I am a woman, I have a lot of things to deal with. But the fact that <laughs> <laughs> he stole my car and drove it into the lake with my three kids. And they believed it, Chris. <laughs> you tell me if some black dude calls the cops and says, hey, uh, yeah, officer, uh, some white lady just stole my minivan with my kids in it. And uh, they, she, she drove it into the river, man. I need you to get here immediately. <laughs> Hello? 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 <laughs> Nobody oh, believe in that no. shit? No. No. But she wasn't even that hot. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. So I want to be a dime. I, I want to be Melania Trump here. Right? I want to be up there just being like, my husband is amazing. Um, he is here for the American people. And everybody's like, he's gorgeous. He's beautiful. <laughs> oh my God, she's gorgeous. That's supermodel. Man. Damn, dumb as shit. <laughs> but rich. So the whole time she knows what's up. And, and that's what I'm hearing from you is that this, that this perfect reincarnation is, is not necessarily taking advantage of being hot. You're actually taking advantage of having all of that and knowing what the fuck that's, is up. You know the score. It's the best way to play the game. It's the best way to play the game. If you're a smart woman, look at this world, man. This world doesn't, this world doesn't leave way for intelligent women. It just no. doesn't do it, right? But what it does leave away is hot, dumb women, right? Mm-hmm. So I can have my wits about me, pretend to be stupid, and I could have a glorious existence. I really can. Some of that I got to swallow, the fact that everybody thinks I'm a bitch or whatever. But at the end of the day, Melania Trump is not going to be poor at any point in time in her life. Mm-mm. She can swallow the fact that she's married a monster and all of that stuff. She has her kids. She has her health. She has her fortune. Doesn't matter who the dude whose arm she's hanging off of. She's way smarter than anybody would ever give her credit for. 
because she's actually playing the game in a man's world, a white man's world. We need to give, okay, I'm not going to give her too much credit. But what I am going to say is that that's how you play the game, baby. Mm-hmm. You can either play the game or fight against the game, right? Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how this world operates, right? You fight against the game, you get out there, you talk your shit. Look at AOC, right? AOC, she's a beautiful, smart woman, right? But where she gets boned is the fact that she's smart, mm-hmm. right? The fact that she has a brain in her head is what people have the biggest problem with. Exactly. Mm-hmm. She is she's one of the most intelligent um, women that I've seen in politics in a very long time, and they won't give it to her. Mm-hmm. They just refuse it. So she has a harder time of being a woman than a woman who just pretends that nothing, nothing is, nothing is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You put forth that intelligence, you get screwed. Why, why do you think so many black slaves who knew how to read were like, oh, I don't know, sir. I can't tell you. Why. Because the second they saw intelligence, they got threatened. Yeah. And you don't want to die. You don't want to get hung. But you just play the game. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, master. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I was just finishing up on the cotton there and everything like that. I was hoping I'd go see my child be born if that's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't want intelligence. No. They just want brawn. If you're a big man, pick that up and put it over there. If you're a woman, you go make some babies. We'll be over here running the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I'm hearing what I'm hearing is is like it's a level of acceptance almost. It's it's understanding what the game is, understanding that if you do have certain attributes, you can take advantage of that, and you could actually have everything that it is you're supposed to be striving towards. Mm-hmm. I think some people would look at it and say, "Well, you know, that black man shouldn't pretend that he doesn't know how to how to read, and that woman shouldn't pretend that she's not dumb." But hey, you know what? They're probably better off than you are. And the funny thing is, is that through that acceptance, they might just be less fucking stressed than you too, which is now, I don't know how in what world that makes any sense, but it kind of <laughs> does. Well, the thing is, is like, why would I um, try and pretend to live in a world that doesn't exist like that? You're telling me the world that I just described is not actually the world that we live in right now? Yeah. Are no, are, do we not have Miss Universe pageants? Do we not have Miss World pageants? We still judge women on their beauty. Uh, do, do is the world's economy not ran by old white men? Are darker skinned people not still the working force of this earth? Is that not the actual world that we're living in? Because it really is. Yeah. Right. And if I make a comment like after squeezing, hopefully. 80 something years out of this earth and then I want to be reincarnated and have a nice and easy life. Yeah. Motherfucker. I think I deserved it. I think (laughs) if I had to go through this entire existence as a black man, seeing people getting killed on the news, not just on the news, Chris, I'm seeing it on my phone in my Instagram feed. Not only do I have to go through this life feeling like I'm subhuman, why wouldn't I want to come back as a pretty white girl? Because all I see on my Instagram, so after I scroll past the murder, I see a fat ass in a TikTok video, right? And she seems to be having a lot of fun. Meanwhile, my heart is broken by the guy who looks just like me with a hole in his back, right? Mm -hmm. So wouldn't I want to choose the careless free life of a uh, 17-year-old hottie? Of course I would. Are you kidding me? That, That just seems like, and of course, oh. You're going to get objectified for your body. And I'm okay with that. I really am. 
I will take that over my skin tone because there's fat, disgusting white women out there who are racist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they still think they're better than me. You can see a gorgeous black woman walk down the street and some appalling white woman down the street and she could still call her a nigger and she will bring that black woman's vibe right down. Mm. Even though she knows she's beautiful. It could still have that power. Just the color of your skin has more power than it than you would ever believe. So yeah, is it a pipe dream of mine to somehow come back as the other side? I just want to see what it would be like. That's it. It's just, uh, just to get a little taste of what it would be like. So when I look at myself in the mirror, there is only so many times in a day, Chris, where I don't think about being black. And it can't happen now because I can see my little self in the tiny little square in the bottom here. But it's, when I go into the bathroom in the morning to brush my teeth, there's a big mirror there and I go, boom, he's black. But when I lay in my bed and I stare up at the ceiling, there's no way for me to know. And there was never any way for me to know until somebody told me. I was. Mm. And then when I started researching, I then found out what I really am. Mm -hmm. My destiny was already made up for me before I even, before I was born. Before I was even born, my life was already kind of written out for me. The ceiling was already placed there. Mm. This is just knowing that I was going to be black my entire life. Right? Mm. So SUNY, if I would just like to know what it feels like to climb up on a bar in heels and a miniskirt and scream, this is my favorite song. I'm sorry. I would love to do that. I, <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. No, and quite honestly, and, and here, and, and I'm going to say this. I yeah. want to end it there for now because mm -hmm. I think that's the perfect way to end this conversation and i think it's the perfect opportunity to have people just think at the end of this recording holy fuck what did he just say that's that's what i want that's what i want from this episode is i want people to walk away from this episode thinking about what you just said why you said it how you said it and just ask themselves what the fuck did i do to just say and that's where am I'm i so end. crazy that i would even say something like it would have been nice to be white you know, like how awesome would it have been? Like, and me and my boys joke about it, like, you know, 600 years in the future when the poles have switched and now black people are on top and all my black great, great, great grandkids are like, yeah, I don't know about this black privilege thing, bro. I got to tell you, I, I don't really see it. <laughs> I would, there'd be a thumbs up in the, 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 the uh, skeleton <laughs> thumbs up from the fucking grave, just like a... It happened. <laughs> I hope know? to I hope to fuck. There's some way that we can do a follow up recording to this in 600 years when that takes place because I'd love to be on the other side of that conversation. Mm, Chris, it's nice of you to join me today. <laughs> well, Adisa, what you have to understand about black privilege it's it's not what you have; it's what white people don't. <laughs> Dude, it would be crazy, right? It'd be crazy. My boy does bring me a lot of solace when he tells me stuff like, he's like, you know, Adisa, there was a time when black people were on top. We're just not in it right now. Mm. But just understand that the people that look like you, the descendants of the people from before, they were kings and queens. They did build amazing structures. They did write amazing uh, scriptures. We were kings at one point in time. So just hold that in your heart. Right. And know that you are lineage of royalty. Right. We're just in a transition period. And I hope and I and I think about that. I, I, and it really makes me feel good. 
you know? And just like many, I'm not a kid, but dude, Black Panther made me feel so good. Like I saw a program on Chadwick Boseman the other day and that he, we were kings and queens, Chris. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and I know, you know, these guys are fictional characters and yada, yada, yada. But the man who played that character was a good man. I saw him break down in tears when he went to visit some kids in the hospital for cancer and they were waiting for Black Panther to come out and they didn't make it. Mm. He couldn't handle that. Because he was like, these kids were like, they saw the preview and they were like, I can't wait till it came out. And then like a couple of weeks later, they passed. And what I saw in this man's eye is something that I wish I always had, mm. which is empathy for the human race. He essentially reinstated the idea in me that we still have kings and queens, right? And to me, he was actually a real life king. And I'm actually more upset of myself for not knowing more about him before this movie came out, not doing enough research on it, you know, not seeing his movie about Jackie Robinson and stuff like that, right? Like, or when he played James Brown, right? Like, it, it hurts me that I didn't look into it deeper. I mean, I didn't know much about him now, but I, I promise the world that I will do a lot of research on him. I will get a better understanding of who this king really was. Um, because he, he's definitely instilled some really good feelings in me. This man lived 43 years. Chris, that is five years older than me. That is it's just five years older than me. Like a year older than me, man. You know? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Why, do you, why do you think I went back to Jamie? Mm. Jamie gave me an opportunity where no one else would give me an opportunity. And we had a falling out. Mm -hmm. But when I heard that that motherfucker had a brain tumor. Well, what, what, what the fuck is everything else worth? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So I had to call him up. I had to go. I had to say, what's up? Hey, whatever happened, whatever happened, happened. It's the people in your life, Chris. That's who you are. The people in your life. Such as yourself. I am blessed to know people like you. And, I, and I'm honored every day that I know people like you. It's a true, it's a true blessing in an otherwise dismal fucking existence. I will drink some cognac to that. Absolutely. The uh, the honor is oh, all mine. Sorry. Oh, sorry. And to say and to say dismal existence, that's not to say that I I definitely have a large view. <laughs> so, um, when, when, when we're talking about uh, when we're talking about how hard it is to be black, I got to tell you. <laughs> God's, God's like, mm, all right, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> You're going to have a lot of struggle in your life. Uh, things are going to be tough. You ain't going to get that job. Uh, you're not going to get that parking space. Uh, just Things are just not going to work out for you. But you know what? <laughs> you could piss from around the corner. <laughs> and everyone will know without even seeing a stitch of proof. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to know who started that rumor. I want to know who was the first white guy that was just like, he's like whipping the motherfucker and he swings around and he's like, what? And the thing just... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
Jesus Christ, <laughs> what the fuck was that? He's like, I don't know, sir. <laughs> I was just, I was just standing over here. I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, Good Lord, no feed that thing some peanuts or something oh, like that. God. Now you're eating for two. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the humor uh, that keeps us going, man. That's. Uh... I mean, that's, that's it. I mean, that's, you've encompassed it all. You've encompassed it all. The, uh, it is people, it is the people that are in our lives, the people that we choose to hang out with. It's the people that we choose to know, to get to know. I think that that's the biggest yeah. thing. You know, one, one of the, one, one of the little hidden agendas behind this, this podcast is because I want to be able to sit down with people that I respect, that I want to get to know more of, sit down with with them for almost three hours of uninterrupted conversation, banter, and sharing ideas, sharing a laugh, sharing a tear, and just getting to know people. Because at the end of the day, all of this shit, all of this material stuff can disappear like that. And all we are left with is the people that we know and the experiences that we've shared. So I wanted to end on your woman thing. But... <laughs> you still can. You can cut all this. No, out I know. <laughs> no, listen, I, I, the, I want to I keep talking and, I, and we won't keep talking tonight, but we will end up doing this again, I hope. I'm in. All right, brother. I'm in. Thank you That's very right. much, man. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down and being so open, uh, exposing yourself in many ways. And not not the not the one that I um I previously um touted, uh, but uh, well, yeah, like I, I said, future recordings, fingers crossed. <laughs> I'll do it while somebody's painting a nude picture of me. I'll be doing it like this the whole time. <laughs> we gotta find an artist who is like how 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 fast can you like what what's the time frame on this? And that will be oh fuck, that's a great idea. That'll be the the set time for the uh, for the recording. Once that painting is done. We're signing off. I got to hold a heart on for two and a half hours. <laughs> You're going to fucking pass out continuously. It's going to be hard to have a conversation with somebody who keeps fading in and out of consciousness. Uh, we have a black gland. that holds a certain amount of blood. Um, <laughs> just for that, uh, we can multitask while we hold this. Thing. So then we're not all created equal. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, brother, thank you very much once again, man. Uh, much love. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, keep fucking killing it out there, man. And, and I look forward to having more Thank conversations with you. Yes, sir. You as well, man. Thank you, Chris.